Blue Tiger Revenge, brought to you by Narpig. Hit the music. another another episode that's right there tiger cubs welcome back into the deep dark comic book forest with the number one big cats in the game i am comic book creator tad galusha the milkman the milk oh yeah that's right the milkman and uh that baritone heavenly voice that uh you hear barking in is the one and only the king of beards that's right Big Brian Bales. What's going on? How's it going? Nothing much. How's it going, Big Brian? Good. <laughs> going good. Going good. Looking, uh, man, I got to say, we are, uh, we're killing the game right now. Not to, we're clicking. Not to toot no. our own horn, but we're, well, okay, maybe a little bit, but, you know, we're killing the game. Yeah. I mean, we're still pretty practically illiterate, which is funny for people who well, read a lot of books, but hey, you know, whatever. We try. That's right. You know, we can't really spill the beans yet, but you know what we can talk about? Because we got to, before our guest gets in here. Yeah. I think you should spoil the new James Bond movie. Oh, I I want to, but my wife is still awake. And she hasn't seen it? Well, so what happened, I took the day off Friday from work. Um, right. She doesn't, she doesn't uh, do a nine to five anymore. She just teaches now. So uh, we went to the 1030 showing. Um, okay. About noon, we get a phone call from from uh, the prince's school saying, "Hey, little man has a cough." So we're like, oh, part way. So you're in the thick of it. We're in the we're in the theater. We're about an hour into the movie. Yeah. Oh no. And then, uh, so we're like, "Well, shit." Okay. So we left to go uh, to go pick him up, and uh, we didn't get to finish the movie. But uh, you know, there was some guy in the lobby like. Are they walking out of the new James Bond? I know, right? Is it bad? Is it bad? <laughs> <laughs> but I went back at uh, I went back that night and finished uh, her off and, and watched it. Yeah, and I loved Finish, it. And, f- and you you finished off Bond? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Anytime, anywhere, any place. Um, well, but yeah, my uh, the the Queen is still awake. I want to live through the night. Okay, so I can't. So no spoiler, but then. How many beers would you give it at? I mean, we came up with this system, right? Yeah. It's like people. The big thing is like, oh, it's five star. No. Instead, instead of stars, it's, it's beards. beards for you. It's beards. That's right. Correct. So, how many beers would you give it? Ooh, I am gonna give it. I'm gonna give it four and a half. That's pretty good. Yeah. I was expecting a full five, but no. No, I mean, I want to give it a full five, but yeah. uh, you know, I have that. <laughs> I, j- I just saw it, you know, so I want to let it marinate a little bit. Maybe I'll go watch it again. Um, but I wanted to give it the full five, the but... full beard. I wanted to give it the full beard. Yeah, the full five beards, but I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Um, but in my opinion, there's no bad Daniel Craig Bond movie. There are ones that are better than others, but none of them How are would, bad. Would you say it's up there with the better Daniel Craig movies? Definitely, Daniel Craig. 
Okay. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, because there's a couple of them that were kind of slow. Yeah, they're like, oh, okay. This is. I think this is the longest one. It was like two hours and 40 minutes. It's really long for a Bond oh. movie. Um, wow. But, I mean, it's a swan song, so. Yeah. It was great. I loved it. So are they? do you think they're going to dip out and take a break then from uh, doing some Bond flicks for a while? And No. I, I'd give it maybe, or two. maybe two or three years. Um, yeah. I, I, I would guess that they probably already know who the next Bond is. Um, oh, I would imagine, right? Yeah, but uh, they're going to... They're gonna, I would I would say probably by like springtime next year they've announced the next Bond film or the next Bond. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Just a guess. Well, was it wasn't there a fe- there was a female Bond uh like a female James Bond or 007 not James Bond but a female 007 in the movie, wasn't there? Yes. Yes. How, was she pretty cool? Yeah, I know. She was, like she was, some people were fired up. Some she was awesome. Were, you know. She was. Okay, she cool. was really cool. She was actually. Uh, yeah. So it was. Oh, I can't remember her name, the actress's name, but she was in uh, uh, Captain Marvel. She was the other pilot in Captain Marvel. Oh, she played her buddy. Yeah. With the that had a daughter and yep. stuff that was then later in the was in it Wanda Vision Wanda yeah Wanda Vision yeah but interesting. Yeah, she was rad. She was like I, just cocky. Because there's, she was there's a lot. talk that she might be the new 007. Or do you see them not doing that? I personally would think it would be awesome because I thought she was great. Yeah. And uh, yeah. But I don't think they will. I think they'll cast another James Bond. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's interesting. But, dude, I mean, I will say this about No Time to Die. Probably the best, like action sets in the Uh-oh. in the Daniel Craig Bond movies like the sets. better than that first opening sequence from the first one yeah, yeah dude the sets and like the action sequences were just amazing they really like oh. took it to the next level in this one okay yeah all right it was really I'm really well the... done really you well done I'm, you know I'm a big action guy yeah I like the action stuff I mean that's why I like the James Bond movies because I always felt like they create. It was a good action flick, but it had like depth to the character mm-hmm. and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. Bond. Bond. They they do a little something in this movie that we like uh, called. Uh, you know, they go full circle. So going full circle. That's yeah. right. We're all about that full circle. That's right. Yeah, man. Uh, well, we got a big guest. He should be coming in. He's re- any minute. He's ready to go. Well, why don't we just take a quick little break? And uh, bring in uh, our main man here. All right. Check one, two. Tiger milk, tiger milk. I like tiger milk. Give us some more of that, please. Tiger milk. And we're back with our special guest, returning guest, returning Tony Fleeks. How's it going, man? I'm back. I'm happy to be back. I'm doing good. I'm, That's I'm, right. Uh, I was just telling you guys I'm recovering. I have I had a bit of con crud. I went to a convention uh, in South Dakota, Midwest Florida. Uh, my former hometown, I used to live there for about six years. Uh, had a great time, saw all kinds of people. They did not give me COVID, but I did catch some sort of cold allergy 
I don't know. It was like allergy season out there, so it might be a little bit that, but I definitely had some cold symptoms. What is a convention like in I love South Dakota. Like we went there a few times when I was a kid, like the Black Hills and all that. And I just I fell in love with that region just as a kid, you know. Like I've never lived out there or anything. But I mean Well this is this is East River. So Sioux Falls is on the east side. Um it's right at right at the edge where it's almost Iowa, uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, But uh yeah, it's a small town show and but what's cool about it is that they are everybody that like puts it on is sort of uh, like fringe people, you know, like they're they're people in a in a town that's like a conservative midwestern town. Sure, they're the people who are like the burlesque people and yeah. the the weed store people, or the mm-hmm. tattoo shop. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they actually legally have a weed store out there, but so <laughs> <laughs> they have something. Um, wow. So yeah, it's just sort of like cool. Um, cool people like alternative crowd people and and they're putting on a comic-con and it's the sixth fifth or sixth year that they've done it and so they're sort of like building their own um community out there and it's uh, yeah hear, hear them tell it they're sort of um people that come back every year because that's the, the place where they feel most comfortable or you yeah. know like living in sioux falls I lived there, like I said, for six years. Like you're definitely looking for a place to, to where they're into the sort of stuff that you're into. So I could yeah. tell there were all kinds of people there that were just really, you know, living for that weekend. You know? Oh wow! I mean, what if you had to guess what was the turnout? I mean, what are we looking at? Are we looking like a few thousand, or are we looking? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, not bad. I said like a few, maybe five, but I can't. I I can't be for for a hundred percent sure. Um, that's pretty good though. That's pretty good numbers. As like a comic professional, it's definitely – it's my second time doing it. And I would definitely go back again because it's just fun to, you know, to go yeah. see old people and eat chislick and, you know. <laughs> um, but I would definitely, next time I go, remember to set – like bring stuff that I'm going to sell. Because as it's a newer Comic-Con crowd, it doesn't have like – original art buyers necessarily or yeah people buying high tier stuff but if i just only brought like 20 40 dollar stuff i could just sit there and sell that all weekend because it's people you know they're out looking for new stuff but they're right. not maybe looking to buy you know the hundred dollar issue of my book that you know some rare right. thing. yeah they're, they're there for prints and books essentially that's about it yeah if you got yeah. books you're in good day yeah it seems but most of the cons I've been to seem like they're kind of that. I mean, obviously, like you said, there's the there's the big city cons that you go to where you sell the originals. But mm-hmm. it seems like the last few I've gone to, it's like it's you know, Prince is where you're you're making your money really. Phil Hester was out there. Uh, Ryan Cody was out there. Oh wow! Um, big of a of an artist alley. I mean, there were definitely like your regular artists out like people getting on, sort of like putting their stuff together, um, get to meet sort of new up up and coming kids. Um, oh, cool! But yeah, I'll I'll go to any state to to have a few minutes with Phil Hester. That that's my guy. I love that dude. Dude, I'm, dude that, he's a big name, man. I don't know Phil. I, I've never actually met him, but I've read a ton of his stuff. Like that's a big name for a small con like that. That's that's awesome. Well, he, He's from Iowa, so it's a it's like a drivable show. Oh, okay, oh, cool. 
Yeah. What's he like? I, yeah, like I said, I've never spent much time, even though we're here to talk about you. <laughs> no, I would be happy to just talk about Phil Hester the whole time. Uh, he uh, he's like the nicest guy, and he's the thing that him and Andy Parks, who uh, used to be his anchor, but they're both artist writers. Like Phil's a writer and an artist, and Andy's yeah. a, a writer, an anchor, if you will, and a, and a writer. But the thing about them is because they're just sort of like unassuming Midwestern guys, uh, it's not like that they're they're like, you know, pushovers or anything like they're sharp wits and they're and, and they're happy to fucking slice somebody up if they're an idiot. But uh, they're so accepting. When I put out my first book, I mean, it was uh, accomplished enough that you would be like, oh, this guy's going to do stuff, you know, like, yeah, let's keep him around. But they they did that for me. Like they met me and were just like, "Oh, you're one of the guys. Like you're one of us." And my first comic ever, but first comic con I ever went to, they were just like, "Oh, this is a real thing. So nice to meet you." And we're just like accepting, and we could communicate, and they would give me advice on stuff. And, and I've uh, and then I have other friends who they did that for too, and we all felt like you feel special. But then you realize like they just do this for everyone. Like they're just like the. Um, like these welcoming comic ambassadors uh, as professionals, uh, Phil Hester and, and Andy Parks. And, and when I was at the show, um, like a, a kid who was, who was just starting to make comics, uh, who like Phil had drawn a couple short stories for him. Like he would get an anthology gig and he's from Iowa too. And he came over and he was telling me basically the same story where it's just like, yeah, Phil encouraged me to make comics. And he saw a spark. He saw I was good at something. And he just encouraged me to do stuff. Uh, and I think that's great because I don't have that. Uh, I always feel like I'm bullshitting somebody if I say like, oh, keep it up or whatever. You know, I'm just like, mm. yeah, but I don't know, you know, so it's, uh, they're they're pretty great for that. And also, you know, just like uh, Phil is more famous as an artist because he drew like Kevin Smith comics and but his writing is incredible and it's sort of um one of the things I hope for most in comics is that like he'll get to write something where he can just always write stuff when he wants to. Cause I feel like he's one of those guys that always has to like find some publisher to let him write something or they'll pay an artist or something, you know, like there's certain people where you just wish that they could just make comics when they have comics to make, you know, like, yeah, yeah. The, the more, you know, like, I feel like Kickstarter is sort of like opening up a, a lane for people to just be able to put their own stuff out if they have built up enough of an audience. But um, you just there's certain people like him. I, I don't want him to ever see him have to do like work for hire. I just want him to only do his own stuff. David Lapham, I only want to see him do his own stuff. I feel like he shouldn't have to do. You know, yeah. he should, he's risen above doing the bullshit that everybody else has to do to get by. And we should just be able to. They did a genius thing. We should give them credit from now on that they can do more genius things. Well, I mean, I guess we'll just kind of backbone. You're kind of in that stage now. I mean, you're coming off this massive success over at, with uh, Stray Dogs with Image. Mm -hmm. And now you're jumping into – there we go. Look at that. Speak of the devil. Uh, now you're jumping into the Kickstarter realm. And, uh, I mean, the book's already funded, I, I think, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it seems like it's doing really well. Um, I mean, let, let's, that's something that, you know, I think a lot of people don't really talk about too much is that, you know, work for hires kind of suck. Uh, if I'm being honest, <laughs> you know, like it's, I, I hate being brutal like that, but it's like, 
I think if you're ha- content just being an artist and you and you're like, hey man, I, I really don't I never really have ideas. I just want cool shit to draw. But if you're I think it's great, right? Because it means you're just happy. Yeah, you found your place. Stuff. Yeah. Right. But I don't know. Like I think if you're one of those guys where it's like, yeah, but that you're working towards getting your own ideas out there, that time in the work for hire is it can be kind of like soul sucking not that you're not appreciative of the fans and the readers and the work you're getting but i mean and but you seem like you've been able to make that jump like you're in that place now i i hope so i mean i i I don't think i'm necessarily locked into that place i feel like i've got a i have a opportunity right now Mm -hmm. where i can make, make some of my own stuff and hopefully Either it'll work or it'll, people will just be like, hey, go back and draw ponies again. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. but, I, but I have a, a shot. I don't like it's not necessarily that work for hire sucks. It's just that getting stuck in it is so easy. And it's like, yeah, when I broke into comics, it was like I did it in stages. First, it's like you want to get comics published. So I drew my own stuff. I wrote it. I got it published. It went to comic stores like I'm in comics, right? Then it's, yeah. and some people go this way first, but then it's get hired to draw something. And so then you get hired and paid, and then that goes to comic stores, and then you're in comics, right? But you can stay doing that because you're paying your rent, you know, and you're paying your bills. And, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. you have to, I, before Stray Dogs, I would have to work and work and work and work and work drawing comics and drawing ponies and doing conventions and taking every job that comes along to free up a month or to free up two months where I could hopefully do my own stuff. But also it's like, or I could go on vacation or, or I could do any of these normal things people do, you know, take, take a week off or something. Right. So what I want for the people that I like, like I was saying, Phil Hester or like a David Lapham or something is I want them to have this, you know, what these Substack people are getting where it's like, Here's $200,000, $400,000. Go make comics for a long time, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and in that regard, like, I'm, a, I'm psyched for a lot of those people. But I also feel like, well, they could have just gone and made comics for a You know, like, J- uh, James Tinian could have just quit Batman either way, you know? like. <laughs> yeah, he, sure. he would have been. I think a lot of those guys would have been fine. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think there was. Um, it just made it nice that, you know, they got. <laughs> They got a nice paycheck to go so, do nice whatever they want for when for when they go to make their own stuff. And but yeah. that, that's what Stray Dogs is for me right now is that I have a cushion that I can sort of I've got my two creator own books that are that I'm working on next year, and it's just I don't have to do you know work for hire stuff, uh, which uh, like is something that I enjoy doing, but it's also like you know I drew My Little Pony for almost ten years. If I live to be 70, that's a seventh of my life. And, you know, is that what I want my my body of work to be, you know? Sure. 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 I, I guess I, I shouldn't say sucks. I guess it's just one of those, like, I'm at that point in my life where I'm looking back on – I've been probably working steadily for, like, 10 years now. And, like, the first five years, I worked as a ghost. I worked on tons of stuff, but my name's not on any of it. Then, like, the last five years – I worked on some stuff here. Some of the properties were really great opportunities. Some of it was, like I said, it was just a job, you know? So, like, 
you know, you take there, there's the like stuff that was like, oh yeah, we did a good job. And then there's the stuff you're like really proud of. But now I'm like at that point where it's like, oh, okay. Like I kind of want to do my own thing and see if I can, you know, cut, cut my, cut my teeth that way. Well, you know, people that work in comics anyway are already people that have quit their jobs and quit like they don't have a boss and they've said like i just want to do my thing you know yeah but but then what the the trick is is figuring out how to actually just do your thing you know because mm-hmm. because for a long time i'm not doing my thing i'm doing i'm drawing ponies or i'm drawing rick and morty or whatever that's somebody else's thing so yeah. th- and not it's a very rare few that just get to do their own thing you know like not everybody gets to be jeff smith there's just the one you know? <laughs> right right yeah, it was just weird. Like I know, like a couple of years ago, I was perfectly content doing work for hire, and then I think around the during the pandemic, I kind of fell into the same spells as everybody else. Is like, I kind of got um, burnt a little burnout, and then my wife got really sick, and uh, while she was sick, I just had that realization. We both had that realization. It's like shit, like this sucks. Like, is this what we want? Or, like, what we want this to like kind of not? I don't want to see like legacy such kind of a douchey term but like you look back and like what did i what did i leave what did i contribute to like the creative ether and it's like eh, i had small contributions to larger things but like i'm kind of lost in a shuffle you know like you want to do your own thing interestingly enough so neither of you are alone in this so this is something that's uh been happening like uh america wide through the pandemic is they're calling it uh, NPR did a great article on it, but they're calling it the great resignation where like there's tens of thousands, if not more people leaving their jobs, mostly, uh, mostly millennials who are just saying, yeah, man, uh, you actually, my employers actually don't care about me. Uh, I'm going to yeah. go do my own thing or go somewhere where people actually do care about me. So uh yeah, it it's it's was really fascinating to read to read that article. Um because I see it. I there's a ton of job vacancies right now out there and you know, I know people who have quit their jobs and it was just was like, Yeah, enough is enough. I'm not gonna make myself miserable anymore. Um but yeah, it's interesting. And and huh. it's sort of like the I feel like the way the internet is changing the the internet's changing the world, but like the longer the internet exists, the more avenues we start to see for just like, oh, this is different now because of the internet, or this is different yeah. now because, like, yeah. you know, like OnlyFans is sort of revolutionary in that, like, there's all these people who just, like, don't have to, like, not only do they not have to work a regular job, but, like, they don't have to work a predatory job. Right. You know, yeah. Because, you know, <clears throat> they can do, you know, in this case, porn, but just like, uh, well, I mean, terms and without having to, you know, have some pimp or some manager or some director grab their ass, you know, it's just like the, yeah. the internet. I mean, starts- you even have like for OnlyFans, you even have like comedians and like other, um, like I, I thought, I think there was somebody I saw an article. It was like some person who was like, yeah, I'm doing a cooking show and I'm doing it on OnlyFans and they're making a really great living doing it, which I was like, good for them, man. Yeah, like, that's, that's crazy. Awesome. And I remember yeah. that they were, uh, for like a week, 
or I don't even think it made it a week. I think it made it like a couple of days where OnlyFans said, "Hey, yeah, no, guys, we're we're not going to do porn anymore." And then, yeah. and then they changed their mind like maybe two days later. They're like, "Ah, just kidding." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think especially for like sex workers, it's really made it so that it's a it's a like a safe avenue. Yeah, you know where they can work on their terms and it. I think it's going to eliminate a lot of the stigma that comes with that profession. Yep. You know, I mean, there's oh, I mean, always going to be stigma in this country just because it is we're very like faith based nation. Um, so it's going to look frowned down on that or aspects of in this country. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot, of, I mean, a lot of our culture is going to frown on that. But uh, I, you know, I think it's I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing, man. Hell yeah, like, man, make some money, great. dude. Like. I think the makeup of the country is also one of those things that's slowly changing because of the internet, because it's just like, it used to be people knew what they knew because that's what their parents told them. And that's what the town around them told them. And now it's just sort of like for everybody to have all of the combined knowledge of the world in their pocket all the time is just like, Oh, right. I feel like we're sort of, going different directions and and going around. It's like, there's that generational gap of like, like our parents came from the generation where you could bullshit, and if you're good at it, like no one would know. Yeah, ev- yeah, everybody thought you were like a smart, like smart person. You're like, oh yeah, you know, Billy yeah. down the road. I'm like, he knows all kinds of shit. We're now like, uh, I shouldn't tell the story, but nope, tell so, it. It's too late. My brother-in-law, he golfs, and he was at dinner over here at the house. At di- we we're having family dinner, and he was saying like one of the guys he golfs with was like, oh yeah, I play with this guy. He won the World Series twice. And he like, and I was like, oh wow! So he's like, Hall of Famer. He's like, he must be. And he's like, going on. He's like, yeah, hey, show me the rings, blah, blah blah blah. I go, what's his name? He told it to me. I googled him. He didn't win no fucking World Series. <laughs> the dude played on a, a like a minor league. I mean, he played minor league baseball, like professional, like professional minor leagues. Yeah. And and that was it. Like they they won some type of like they were. He was technically a part of like whatever the Mets or whatever it was. But it was their farm team. He never even played in the major leagues, and the they won the minor league like World Series. But he was telling this, you know, my brother in law, like, and because he comes from that generation, he was just like, "Oh yeah, no, this guy, he's a big time major league baseball player." Blah blah blah. blah. And I was like, "What the hell is he doing up in Alaska playing golf at like, like a subpar golf?" <laughs> like you know, nine holer. Like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> hey, I played some golf today. For real, I did. Yeah, I did. With the World Series winners or anything, or just with- <laughs> no, just with my wife and my six-year-old. So a little family golf day. It's a good time. Nice. Yeah. It's a good time. But yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting, right? Like, yeah. you can you can check somebody nowadays if they start did like you, throwing some BS. Oh fuck yeah, I did right in front of the whole family. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah, and then he was like, oh, shit. And I was like, wow, that guy lied right to you, man. Yeah. Yeah, my parents are friends with bullshitters, too. And it is, it is, it definitely is a generational thing where it just wouldn't occur to them to just be like, well, maybe he's full of bullshit, you know? Yeah. Like, and and I'll see people like that, and I'll just be like, this guy is a real piece of shit, you know? But they'll just <laughs> yeah. be a person that, you know, like they, there's somebody that my parents knew that, you know, like they don't interact with much anymore, but I don't think they hold him in any sort of ill regard where I'm just like, this guy just lied all the time and just said, you know, like just was all nonsense. And, you know, if half of the things he said were true, 
he he would be you know the richest man in the world and maybe, you know like run everything. He's just you know he's still a shithead that lives in their town. Yeah. I'll, you know, it's fun. I, I'll never forget the first time I realized that like people really bullshitted. I was like 19 and I was working at a lumber mill and there was a guy working in the yard there, right? Like, you know, he was pulling lumber to load up on these trucks. And um, like his first week there, he was okay work or whatever. But, he, you know, he's a forklift guy. Mm-hmm. But then he came up and like the guys made the real money worked in the office, right? They were like in sales and stuff, like made good good money and he's like he, can't, he would at lunch he would tell us like yeah well they wanted me for the office but i told him that uh i just really wanted to get to know the company really well so i decided to work out here for my first year or two you know just get my feet my feet wet get my feet on the ground and i remember like thinking like oh yeah that makes sense and then i told a friend of mine who's older about it and he's like no nah, man that guy works in the yard with you he's just bullshit yeah <laughs> <laughs> because why would he be working for ten bucks an hour when he could be making like eighty a year? Like, what? That makes zero sense. I'm like, oh, good point. Oh, that makes a ding. <laughs> you know, but you're easily cowed when you're like a young, you know, it's young true. man. Yeah. You're just like, oh, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, sure, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, Coca here. He's just really taking in every part of the business before he he's gonna take it all. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, I guess you kind of see it in the comic industry. Maybe not. Well, yeah, you see it a lot. You know, like you, there, there's a lot of BS. Especially when, I, I, as I an artist, people in, trying to hire you. There's that in every every industry, <laughs> unfortunately. I have. Um, <clears throat> I come from the from the Midwest, and I have sort of like that Midwest. Uh, it, it's like self hatred, but it's like where you just I, I can bullshit and and try and sell something to somebody, but I hate myself the whole time while I'm doing it. Like I would not be a good salesman. Right. You know, yeah. not call people on the phone and try and sell them something that they don't need because I, I, I just would feel awful about that. Um, and there's a different kind of people in comics who like, whether they're publishers or, um, I guess publishers for the most part, but like anybody that comes at you with, a uh, trying to pitch you on their thing or their whatever, but then in the reverse of that, it's like when you have to pitch a book to somebody, <clears throat> I feel that same way where I'm just like, look, nobody asked for this. Like nobody asked for stray dogs or anything. You know, it's just like, here's a thing right. I invented. And if you want to make it, that's cool. But but you have to give a harder sell than that. And it's such a fine line to walk where I feel like a douchebag anytime I'm selling something to somebody. Same here. Yeah. But you have to because that. Like if if I'm saying I want to be somebody who just makes my own stuff and just exists on my own, mm-hmm. you know, there are zero people that don't have to go out and say like, "Here's my new thing, buy it," you know. Right. Like, I mean, even Jeff Smith has to do that. Even like a Scotty Young has to do that, or somebody that's you know sort of like has their own thing going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I always like. like oh, sorry. Never. I, I, yeah, yeah, true. I, I like to think that like, oh, the work itself will sell itself. Like people just look at it and be like, oh, that's cool. I want to buy it. But the reality is it's like, yeah, I mean, especially when you're sitting down with a company, like I'm sure you had to do this when you pitched Stray Dogs to Image. When you sat down with them, you know that they're catering to like some of the top artists, top writers in the industry because everybody wants to work with Image right now. So like you have to be like, well – it looks cool, but so does everything else that you're looking at. Right. <laughs> you know, like you got to yeah. sell them. Like, how's this idea better than whatever other ideas they're tabling? You know, uh, uh, how was that process? If you don't mind me asking. No, yeah, it's fine. I've I feel really fortunate to 
have had stray dogs, like to have had stray dogs at Image now, just because it sort of knocks down that that barrier of where you're just like, okay, give me a minute, you know, like they they'll give me a minute now, so I can pitch other things to them, and that's great. But pitching stray dogs in the first place um, was another fortunate thing where um, I'm friends with Kyle Higgins, who does the book Radiant Black, um, okay, and he Power Rangers and Winter Soldier and uh, Cowl and all kinds of stuff. Um, I know I'm just from here in LA, like we're just pe- people who know each other in person. And he's one of the people that when I had the idea for Stray Dogs, uh, I told him about it at actually this time uh, a few years ago, New York Comic Con. And he was just really psyched about it because it's a cool idea. And he was just like, I haven't heard an idea that cool ever, you know, like, and he just really was into it. And he said, um, when you have something, when you have a pitch ready, would, would it be cool if I took this to image? Cause like I'm friendly with them and I know Eric Stevenson and, and you know, people say shit like that. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, that, that that's yeah. fine. But you don't expect anything. Never uh, expect anything. <laughs> and then, and then as I was putting the book together and actually writing it, um, me and him went and sat down and had like a lunch somewhere. And I just went through the whole outline of the thing and was like, sort of, threw it at him and he threw it back at me with like ideas or like this isn't good or you change this you know like i sat down with probably like three or four people where i just had my notebook out and i was like here's what i'm thinking of doing and i just sort of like bounced stuff back and forth because i uh, hadn't ever written anything of that like scope or style or anything like that before so i wanted to just make sure that i wasn't going to make a fool of myself um and so he was into it and and then when I did have a pitch ready, I sent it to him, and then he just went to Comic Con, and he was went down there on preview night, and I wasn't going down till like the Saturday, and he texted me on like Thursday or Friday, and he was like, "Hey, are you down here?" And I was like, "No," and he's like, "Well, I just showed your thing to uh, to Eric. He saw it at a at a bar. Like I wasn't even trying to show it to him. I was just looking for something else on my phone, and your thing was up." And Eric was like, "What's that?" Uh, and so it was sort of like. It, Obviously, Kyle was going to show it to him, but it sort of just happened organically that they saw it. And where, like, if my desperate face would have been there along with it, just like, <laughs> this is important to me. <laughs> Please, know, like, sir. Please make my pressure, comic. <laughs> that pressure that you put them under, I, I didn't do to them in that situation, which I feel like worked out pretty well. Yeah. Because Kyle could just say, like, all right, here's what it is. It's a house full of dogs. They think they live in a Disney movie, but it turns out this new dog shows up and she says, your master kidnapped me and he killed my lady. She's the trophy taken by a serial killer and taken to this house. And then Eric Stevenson goes, and all the other dogs are also trophies taken by the serial killer, too. And Kyle goes, yes. And he goes, all right, well, we'll publish that. So <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's I love I love the oh, like. Oh yeah, I've just I got some stuff on my phone. Oh, you don't want to see? Oh, that's just my <laughs> yeah. Worry about you don't want to like that's the that's such a I don't know if he did that intentionally, but if he did, man, that dude's a sales genius. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said he was opening up Dropbox to show like one of his own things he was talking about, like a thing that Stevenson already knew about. That he was like, oh, I've got new art for that, and he went to open yeah. Dropbox. Just my thing was was sitting right there, so mm-hmm. worked out great. But yeah, oh, now uh, I I sort of have that. The the times I would take comics to publishers where I would just be like, you know, so 
because I don't I, like I'm kickstarting a thing right now, but all the parts of it where it's like talking to printers or all the like mailing stuff out or all that stuff is like time that I feel like I could be using to make comics. And yeah. so, and so it's so, it, it makes my life so much easier if somebody will just publish it or, and in the case of image, like if the best people would just publish it, you know? <laughs> and yeah. so it is uh, a, a great relief to have had stray dogs work out so that I can, you know, I have a quick email I can send now where is this something you're interested in or not? That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like getting through that first door is always difficult. <laughs> um, for you, like I, this Stray Dogs is like the third or fourth thing that I sent them, I think, and, okay. and really send it to them. But yeah, it's a uh, it's rough. So, so yeah. are we gonna get a uh, are we gonna get a volume two of Stray Dogs? Are we gonna get a sequel? <laughs> yeah, we're working. Well, it's not really volume two, but we're working on right now the follow up thing. Uh, when we originally pitched it, it was, this is the story of Stray Dogs. It's five issues. Mm-hmm. It moves fast. But if it's successful, if people like it, we have this sort of special issue we want to do where it's short stories, one story about each of these other dogs. Oh, so yeah. you go into that house with Sophie and you meet all these dogs. You meet Killer and Victor and Earl and Imogene and all the dogs. And... Some of them only got to say a couple words in the whole series. So right. this way we get to do like one story on each of them and focus on them and sort of do a thing that if we put it in the main series would have sort of fucked up the pacing. Right. But now this will sort of add a little more context and sort of build out the world a little bit, but not in a way where it's like, oh, the dog's got kidnapped by another murderer or <laughs> right, you know, right. cop that killer. Or now it's cats or, you know, Straight just cats. sort of. Yeah. <laughs> this way it's just um a little bit more of the story that we like but we don't necessarily want to sequelize it or do some other thing because uh i feel like the story does stand on its own and it's just like a thing that's good and and sometimes you can ruin a thing that's good by trying to sure. pick every piece of it you know sure i think one of the interesting things and in, and in is uh I don't know if you I don't know if you play directly on it in Stray Dogs, but uh, it's something that just kind of pops in my mind is that you know it's the dogs actually can get like post traumatic stress from mm-hmm. from traumatic uh, from traumatic things that happen to them. So actually, you know what I think you did when uh, like when uh, she sees the scarf and smells the scarf and yeah. remembers and you know re- triggers back to that to that traumatic day. Yeah, sense memory stuff. My dog. Uh, does this thing where like if I'm not petting him if he's laying next to me and I just put my hand on him you know to start petting him sometimes he'll twitch and he's a rescue and I always go like what's that about like why is he scared you know like I only ever pet him I'm not violent to my dog you know so it's just like he'll he'll, like jump like like he's in danger and I wonder like did he come from was he in some sort of like stressful situation before probably I mean I assume you know yeah, so, something's going on there. But yeah, I think about that stuff. It's not something that's necessarily in stray dogs. Sure, that sort of thing. But yeah, the sense memory thing is obviously the, the whole thing sort of hinges on it. Yeah. What one of the things I, I like, I love showing people. I've been showing a ton of people or telling a bunch of people who don't even read comics, stray dogs, and I don't know if you did this purposely. I'm guessing you did. But man, like, not only were they um, awesome to see. But the covers resembling classic, 
like thriller or horror kind of like movie posters, man, I would show people those and they would immediately be like, whoa, 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 what is this? And then, you know, these are people that don't, they don't care about comics. They're not going to read comics and they're going to go, they, you know, they've never been to a comic shop in their life and they're never going to go. But I would show them your move, your like your covers and they'd be like, oh, this is an interesting take. And I don't know if it was just because it was like the art art style, but then mixed with like the take on, oh, hey, remember the cover, you know, the movie poster from Scream, you yeah. know, that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Now, did you guys do that purposely from a marketing thing or was that just because like you're a big fan of these like compositions? You're like, this is a great chance to, to utilize it. No, it was definitely a marketing thing. Um, and it was. It was genius. Yeah. It really was. It was. Well, it was not my idea, so I will agree with you that it was genius. Uh, <laughs> a buddy of mine uh, is a retailer at Greenberg who runs Collectors Paradise in, in in Los Angeles. He's got three stores out here, and he was sort of like early into the book. He knew about it before it had been solicited, and like he took me to uh, to Comics Pro, which is like this comics retailer conference in in Portland. Yeah, it was in Portland the year we went. But um, and I got to go pitch the book and give preview copies of the book to all these people and and sort of like she was sort of my guru as far as like marketing the book or, or getting retailers to know about it because uh, it, I find like it's very helpful to have a retailer who can tell you the straight up and down of something rather than just like like I went and watched him and his managers order books one month and it was fucking demoralizing just because really? of, yeah like. If you got a book in the back half of a catalog, you know, and you're just like, you know how hard that is where you're just like, I want people to know about this. And I hope mm -hmm. they find out about it. And you're sending out emails and packages and. Ugh. And then I just watched them rip through the back half of this catalog where they're just like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> you're just like, wow. <laughs> it's like years of my life poured into some of that stuff. Um, but when we were talking about Stray Dogs, he was like, dude you got to do movie poster. You should do movie poster homages. And since it's like an animated style thing, you should do animated movie posters because like, that's something people will, will be attracted to. It's something they'll recognize. And I was like uh, the whole time, the same way I said, I was like ashamed to try and sell myself. Mm -hmm. I was, I'm also ashamed to uh, stand on anybody else's shoulders, you know, like, if sure. I'm doing a Silence of the Lambs thing, I feel like I owe like Jonathan Demi and and <laughs> and Anthony Hopkins and Jody Foster some sort of uh, residual or something. But he was like, do animated ones, and I sort of pondered on that, and I told my studio mates about it, and my buddy Dennis, you know Dennis Culver, yeah, um, he was like, no, stupid, you do horror movies, and I was like, oh, that's a good idea too, but it still feels crass. Um, and I, and so I was just sort of like struggling with what to do and like how how to how to make sense of it if if there's a way to do it because I knew I could do it and I knew the juxtaposition of doing cartoon dogs with horror movie posters would be interesting you know and like would be that would catch people's eye um, and I worked as a graphic designer for a lot of years so like I know how to like fake logos and and matchups fonts and styles and stuff like that oh cool. Um, and so, like, I knew I could do that part of it. And then when I talked to Kat Salazar, who's the the marketing PR lady for Image, she was like, uh, that's a good idea, and here's why. Because when it's in shops, people will see a horror movie with a cartoon dog on it, 
and immediately know what that book is without the shop having to pitch it to them at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're in a good shop, they'll go like, all right, so say there's a serial killer and he takes people's dogs and the dogs don't know what's going on. They just think he's a great guy. Uh, that's what this is. That's the that's a bad version of the pitch. But if you're just in a regular shop where it's just like they're busy or they don't want to get up or, you know, they're on their laptop or whatever, selling stuff on eBay, people can just go in and see like a silence of the lamps with a dog. What's that? That sounds interesting. You know, and that yeah. spoke to me. And it was like, and it sort of gave me the permission I was looking for to just be like, all right, go get them. And so then we just went and got them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, like the silence, the silence of the lamb one was the first one I think I showed to anybody. Yeah. And they were like, oh, oh, this, this is going to, oh, what is this? You know, I mean, like, and that's what you want. You want them to be like, what is this? And I right away was like, oh, man, though, Tony's a genius. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, brilliant. Like there's people do homages to things and if it doesn't mean anything, like or like if it doesn't tell you what the book is, I like you can tell the difference. Like you'll see some stuff where you're just like, Oh, that's weird, you know? Yeah. Or, that's fun or interesting or whatever. But I feel like the the thing that we had going for us was that it told people what it was. Uh but like when DC's like DC comics did deceased and they did the horror movie variants too, and that also told you what it was, you know, like it's mm -hmm. like yeah a DC horror comic, you know, like easy. Yeah. And you see a lot, like, I mean, a classic, homage, oh, people love to do homages to like famous Frazetta paintings, you know, like how many times have we seen a character like Batman or the Hulk in the death dealer pose on the, you know, the big, the big horse. Or and like it, hundred. Yeah. yeah. And it looks really cool. But I think like at this point, like nothing against Frazetta, but I think not as many people are familiar with Frazetta and like what he symbolized in the seventies and stuff, his paintings. So, but those movies that, you know, like movies are especially stuff from like the eighties and nineties, man, they're like, they're like th at the high point of nostalgia right now, you know, like oh, that's especially what our generation too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, it's did like a, the, I did a, my little pony death dealer, like my second or first, my little pony issue I drew, I did a death dealer cover. Oh, that's uh, awesome. And my editor had no idea what it was. He was just like, oh, I just thought it was like a real severe looking. <laughs> really? <laughs> exactly what oh, you're saying. Oh, man. Yeah. Really? Like, I would love to do, if I could paint, if I was a good painter, I would do homages to Frisetta all day. But it would probably be way more powerful to do homages to any teen horror slasher film in the 90s. <laughs> you know? Dude, I know we, should do, we should do that for uh, for Operation Blue. Maybe we'll see. Don't don't put more work on me. Okay, <laughs> that's the true. With the nineties is that that's when movie posters started to suck, and so yeah, we we've done so many at this point that we're circling back around and doing a lot of nineties one, like we're doing a Final Destination, and I know what you did last summer, and like a few of these, um, and they're just photoshopped heads on like a black yeah. background. Yep. <laughs> like, it, the only thing that tells you what it is is like how the font looks and what order the heads are in. You know, like it's very, they're not Saul Bass posters. They're not some specific, you know, uh, Drew Struzan painting or something. It's just like. I was just talking to somebody about that and I was going like, God, wouldn't it be great, especially with like all these superhero flicks coming out, if they brought in like Drew, like Alex Ross. I meant maybe it was, I think it's Brian and I talking about yeah, it. Yeah, we, we We're talk about, about this like, all the time. <laughs> yeah, whereas like, why not bring in these top tier like painters 
to do beautiful movie posters because like the movie poster putting out now with like the, the head, the Photoshop collage heads, those aren't going to people, kids 20 years from now are not going to be buying posters of that to put no. on their wall. They're still going to be buying like the poster of jaws, yeah. you know, because it's awesome looking. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're, uh, hopefully we're on like the precipice of, of fixing that where like, yeah. We went through that phase where movie posters were just like a big face with words on the front of them. That was like 10 years ago. Um, but like the democratization of like digital editing, photo editing tools, Photoshop, or like, you know, Ramon uses GIMP or, you know, like yeah. the free version of Photoshop and like uh, just people having like Procreate and tablets and all this stuff. Like people are better and better at digital art now. Yeah. I feel like it's almost to the point where. It, they just have to make the money get closer together where like you could pay somebody to Photoshop up a poster or paint up a poster or Photoshop a poster up that looks painted and cool anyway. You know, like I'm fine with that. Just, you know, like make it look cooler. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so hopefully that's something that we're headed towards or it, everything just looks like the little box on Netflix and that's what it's all going to be. You know, just like the little icons. And yeah. Stuff. Some of the, like, I like the, you know, like the kind of the art house movie posters that they make, uh, mm-hmm. like uh, Mondo or what is it, uh, Bottleworks or Bottleneck? One of I can't remember if it's Bottleneck. Yeah, or, bottleneck. yeah, yeah. Those, those guys, uh, both of those companies. I've got posters. I've got like uh, a Batman, '89 uh, Batman bottleneck mm-hmm. poster. I've got uh, a Star Wars one, a Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, those ones are really nice, but they're not. I mean, they're not mainstream. Yeah, it almost seems like a reaction to how shitty movie posters got. That yeah. there was this movement that grew up out of that was just like, well, we'll make them ourselves. But you almost want it to be like uh, when people say they shouldn't remake good movies, they should only remake shitty movies. Like they should only yeah. be able to do posters for like I know what you did last summer, or Final right. Destination. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the problem with like like the Mondo posters. Like they just put out one that Bry sent me yesterday, <laughs> and I was like painfully i hated to say it but i didn't like it and it was for like the creature from the black lagoon and i was just like i've seen people do artwork for creature of the black Lagoon. that's i don't know i you know like it wasn't bad it just i didn't really care for the design yeah and i was like uh, you could i could i've seen some really crazy uh creature from the black lagoon drawings man <laughs> Yeah, you also, know, like the Black Lagoon had like a good poster to start with, you know, like yeah, yeah dude. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There. yeah, yeah. It's or like even like Matt, like you go back and look at all the Mad Max posters. I think they were Drew Struson. And um, I mean now they're starting to redo they're doing more and more Mad Max ones, and it's like, ah, come on, man, like maybe get away from that. <laughs> like, well, like Star Wars or Planet of the Apes, they already have pretty great posters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought a Drew Struzan uh, piece with with some dogs with me. Uh, oh, really? Like my significance. Yeah. That's awesome, man. <laughs> we were talking in the beginning about how I'm trying to make this run me for a couple of years so I can just make comics. But I, this Drewsters and Balto poster came across my purview, and I was like, "Well, I should probably own that. I don't think I don't want anybody else having that." So <laughs> <laughs> I have. It. That's he did like it's not even the poster that they used. I don't think he painted the final poster for the movie Balto, but he did prelims and it and he does them like poster size. So it's like it's like basically a poster, but it's just this big Balto. Because he, wow. he also did like American Tale and he did a few animated ones. Five Will Goes West, I think he did oh. too. Oh well, I didn't know that. That's 
That's pretty crazy. I'm yeah, it's weird. That's one of the things yeah. I always look for when I go like when I go to conventions is I always look for where's the place selling cool movie posters. Um, fortunately, I, you know, it's been a couple of years since I found one that I've like wanted to drop money on, but you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Sometimes I'll get like a weird hair and, and end up on eBay tracking something. Like I'll see yeah. a of a movie poster and I'll be like, I didn't even know that existed. I need to get that. Yeah. Uh, and look, the stuff I like is is weird enough that it's not like I, I want to have a Frankenstein poster or a King Kong poster. You know, like I like like you know like I got this Dario Argento movie poster from like his first movie, like the Italian version, and I think it was only like eighty dollars or sixty, you know, something where it's not like I have to mortgage a house or <laughs> sell yeah yeah earthly possessions. Words. All right, go ahead, Ted. Uh, so like I was really into this Charles Bronson phase and one of the movie posters I ended up, uh, I almost bought, I didn't, but it was for, uh, it was like, it was like a made for TV movie where he flew one of these, like one of those, what was it? Uh, I can't even remember the name of the plane, but it was like the, you know, like it was before the SR 71. Like it was Mm -hmm. like the, the spy plane, but the movie poster was so cool. And it was like a young Charles Bronson, like one of his first films, right? He didn't even have the mustache or anything yet. Yeah. And I, it just, the way it was designed and stuff, you know, was, I think it it might, I don't know if it was painted or if it was done in ink, but it was like, you know, three color tone with like yellow zip for like speed lines. It looks so badass. And again, yeah, it was one of those, like a TV or a made for TV American film, but the movie poster was in Japan or something like that. And I almost bought it, but you know, it was like some stupid money, but I ended up not getting it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, what are you, you going to do? I, I, I was almost you, Bri. I was almost you. You were. Yeah, you know, I like to, uh, I I also like to, like, find find movies that I'm into and just type in on eBay, you know, like Mondo poster or bottleneck poster of it and just see what's, see what's out there, see what I can find. Because, you know, I like to, I like to find those nice, the, like, on the nice, like, glycy paper, you know, that, you know, you put in the frame and it just looks great. Those are yeah. those are my jam. Yeah, like the screen printed ones. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man, screen printed, like retro art posters out of Japan is my jam. Dude, um, actually, I want to find some good uh, Kurosawa. Uh, posters. Oh, there's some good stuff. Yeah, there's some good stuff on the market. You got to hunt for it. Yeah. Uh, I, there's a guy, he does mostly erotica, but he occasionally does, like he just did Friday the 13th, and then I think he did um, Fast Times at Bridgemont High, but he's a guy named Rockin' Jellybean. He's a, uh, he's a, a That's your I think guy. he's out of Tokyo. That's your That's guy. my guy. That's my guy, yeah. So like for Christmas, my wife will get me one of his, you know, his like lithograph prints yeah. or screen print, and there's, I mean, like the money is, it's not that bad, but it's still like, you know. If, if they, you know, they only print like you know 500 of them and they usually sell out within like a, a week so you got to get on it you right. know fast and uh if you end up going to ebay you're spending some serious money but <laughs> yeah his stuff uh, is his stuff is really cool i'm just obsessed with trying to find what this charles bronson movie is called is it x15 that's the one yes i believe that's the one <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that's the one. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I'm glad that you're 
that we're we're deep diving into the Bronson. Yeah, that's like yeah, because like dream. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Well, the X fifteen was like I think for a while was like the first like hypersonic aircraft or something like that. Like it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, and I've really gotten into like like aviation the the last summer, and so I watch all these. There's this great YouTube series called Dark Docs, and. Uh, they just do breakdowns of like this was a spy plane developed in 1976 and it's like only 10 minutes long and they and they have this the narrator has that like top secret voice mm-hmm. but he just goes into like how it was developed when it came out okay here we go okay we got the screen up i have not seen that one that's different holy I've never shit seen a bronson that's movie cool. you haven't seen well no, i've seen the movie but i uh i haven't seen that that uh, movie poster unless is that it that's a great now, this one was like long it was like it wasn't a traditional uh movie poster size it was like one of those long strip posters uh, yeah it was like 12 inches by like 27 or 32 inches it was really weird dimensions and i have i've only saw it the one time and i've never seen it since hmm. but it was uh yeah i want to say it was like from some guy in italy was selling it i but it was like a Japanese poster. I don't know. It was, hmm. but that that one you just pulled up was really freaking sweet. Well, who knew they had so many good posters for this movie X fifteen? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, like I said, I'm pretty sure it was a TV movie too, man. <laughs> but these are great. Actually right? filmed in space. There you go. Yeah, this wow. is before even Shatner was going up there. They were. Yeah. Yeah. What is the deal with that? Is he actually? Are they sending him up? Is that? Is he going, going up like, with like Bezos or Elon Musk or something like that? And it's one of those trips like Bezos and Elon Musk took, where they're yeah going uh, up into space. They're going to be in the atmosphere. They'll be weightless. He's nine. Okay. So he's got to be like the oldest man in space, right? Like, has there been a ninety-year-old up there yet? No. Oh no, I don't think that. There was what? Who's the guy? The actual astronaut, Glenn, Glenn something that went up a couple yeah, years ago. Glenn. John Glenn, yeah, he went up for a while, right? And I then think that was like more than twenty years ago now. I probably. Now we're going to space again, but they, it's like a different space. They don't go orbit the Earth anymore. They just go up. They get weightless. They come back. Yeah, but I guess yeah. some people go to the the space station. Are they taking them to the space? They're not going to the space. They're station. They're not taking Captain Kirk to the space station. They're just going up to the space and get weightless and come back. As far as I know. Yeah. If I'm honest, I haven't uh, done tons of research on this. I just the headline is really all I need on that one. They're just taking ninety-year-old Shatner to space. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not a big fan of all that. If I'm being honest, it just seems like a massive, excessive misuse of money <laughs> you think well i mean the space exploration part of it there's like that's a reasonable thing to do you know like definitely you know, they're figuring stuff out there you're saying taking billionaires into space is not a good use of the money only if they stay yeah. there yeah <laughs> and redistribute their money it, it just it, i mean like i can understand if you're like developing science and i know it's got to be one of those things like I'm sure there's going to be some long-term benefits from all this, you know, uh, privatization of, of space. You know, that's that's how you get money into those type of entities. I mean, that's how the internet is where it's at today and everything, really. But 
uh, even automobiles, you know, whatever. But it just seems like right now when you see you see the price tag attached to it, and then you see, you know, like yeah. Bezos come down in his cowboy hat, and it's like, oh, shut the fuck up, man! What did you do? He did nothing, he did nothing. dude. He, he, he was just in sat it. there with your seatbelt on. Yeah, took it off for five seconds and put it back on. Yeah, shut up, man! And like he went up the tech that they went up in. It's like stuff that, like, if you really want to go up, the Soviets or or the the Russians would have taken you up in the caps, one of their capsules. Sure, you know. Yeah, they didn't care. Does make me feel dirty about using his website two, three times a day, like I do. (laughs) Everyone does, man. Everyone does. Anyone who says they don't is a liar. Remember when they told us that Walmart was no good and and you just had to go like back it up, you know, like oh shit, okay, well, what are we gonna do? And on this one, it's just like, come on, bro. They're sending Walmart right to my house. What am I? What do you want me to do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I, can, I can only be so principled. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I it's the free market, you know. I whatever. It's got its pros and cons, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, hey, it, without Amazon, I wouldn't be able to get anything where I'm at. Like, you know, like Amazon is king when it comes to Alaska. Warehouse out there? Do you have like next day shipping and stuff? No, I mean they'll say it's next day shipping, but it's really three days. Um, I think the last warehouse is probably like Vancouver, BC, or uh, maybe maybe like Bellingham, Washington, like up by the border. But uh, uh, it's up. It's pretty good. It makes it so you can get a lot of stuff. The only thing you can't really order up here is like furniture. Which kind of sucks because uh, sometimes they do have some really great deals on furniture. Dude, um, Costco and Costco is where it's at for furniture. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. You want to know why we Costco? Do. Well, we I don't Costco. know about I don't know about Alaska, but like down here, they do yeah. white hand delivery as it's just part of the price. Where they come, they come, they deliver it. They if it needs to be put together, they put it together and then bring it in your house for you. So, I actually just ordered. Uh, recliner a new recliner love seat for in here for in the tiger den and then uh my wife ordered a uh recliner couch and love seat for the living room from costco oh that's cool yeah really just chilling out there and is this the recliner you're seeing right now no those are the those that's the one that broke uh, that one that's broke trash. yeah yeah it's garbage so i got a new one coming in and then uh the best part, if you order it from Costco, dude, their return policy is so good. You just you oh, could yeah? bring it in like a year later and be like, yeah, I don't have my receipt. It broke. They're like, well, yeah, okay. Let me look you up. Yep, here it is. Here's your money. See you later. They don't even wow. give a shit, dude. Yeah. They're just moving so much product over there at Costco. I have time for that. Yep. Slow down. I'm going to have to start going to Costco. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. That's where it's at. <clears throat> I only, honestly, I only go to get Halloween candy for the neighborhood. That's it. <laughs> Costco. I, don't, is, I love Costco, man. Since the pandemic, I haven't gone to the grocery store. I went once a few weeks ago when I just really, like, out of nowhere, wanted us uh, one of those salads that are just like a four-dollar yeah. salad, yeah, pre-made. Uh, but before that, I hadn't been at all, and uh, I'm I'm find myself very uh, addicted to the Amazon Fresh. Uh, and and to the point where I'll just not have things that they don't have, you know, like they're like I need. I'm about out of iced coffee. I need more iced coffee, but they just haven't had it for a couple of weeks, so I might just go without for a while. I guess. Oh wow! Rather you. than drive to the store and just go get iced coffee that they have at the store. How how has it been? I mean, I know. I mean, everybody's probably sick and tired of talking about the pandemic, but how has it been? Kind of like in your area, 
uh, th- during the second wave? Because you're down in L.A., right? Uh, well, in North Hollywood, but yeah. Um, well, Ted, as you know, uh, <laughs> we artists, writers, freelancers don't have to go anywhere. I always True. feel bad when people go like, L.A., that must be crazy. I'm just like, look, I don't know about this traffic you're talking about. I don't know about <laughs> any of the crowds or any of that shit. Like, I just stay in my house, and then when I have to go out, I go out at a time where it's easy to go out, and everything's available to me and nearby. And if, you know, uh, So it's been fine. Uh, I have been extra cautious because I have a... Uh, I don't have a children. I just have these comics I'm going to make. So I feel like if I died from this now, I would feel like a fucking idiot. No, no disrespect <laughs> to anyone who's died from this. I'm sure you were not idiots, but just, I would feel that way. Cause I'm just like, I just got on, you know, like I yeah. just started to have this opportunity to get my stuff out there. And yeah. if, I, if I died from this, I would feel very foolish. So I've been pretty cautious. Uh, so I haven't really gone anywhere. So the, the pandemic has been, you know, the same as anybody else who just stayed inside the whole time and got Amazon yeah. and delivery and stuff. Mm-hmm. And just watch what it's there going to theaters. HBO's there. We got you back. <laughs> yep. I got a new TV just, just for King Kong because I was like, I'm not going to watch some small King Kong. Hallelujah. That's right. Oh. Okay. You know, I said, I, I said, you know, working on, IPs kind of suck. Uh-huh. Right when I w- crossed over into, I guess, where I was legitimate, I it wasn't in the shadows anymore. Uh, the first IPs I worked on were my two favorites. I got to work on Godzilla, and then I got to do a cover for the King Kong, the Boom series. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was when I was like, dude, this is all I want to do. This is amazing. This is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Made it, but yeah. Speaking of King Kong, though, like that's my favorite. Like my favorite is always been, always will be, is the original, like nineteen thirty three King Kong. Um, I love King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, you know, like I remember my dad bought that for me for like my birthday. It was a big fucking deal at our house. We didn't even own any VHSs. That was probably like the second or third VHS my parents even never bought. And um, King Kong versus what? Godzilla. King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we watched that movie into the ground. Yeah. So what did you think of the new one? Even though, like, you know, spoilers, it's been out for a year. But yeah, yeah. I think it's free on HBO again at this point. It is. Um, I like all of those movies. Uh, I think about this new one the same way I think about most Godzilla movies, where uh, the parts where it has human people in it, I could take or leave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the parts where it has monsters in it, I love it. Uh, and so, yeah. super fun. Uh, I, I was on board with it, and I was happy that I got the, you know, TVs are so, I mean, it's not like if they're free, but they're affordable now. I got a gigantic TV for, like, less than $1,000. Yep. Uh, yeah. And I got the sound bar and the whole shit set up, the subwoofer, so I just cranked it up and, and really lived the adventure. Not as good as IMAX, but not as bad as, you know, watching it on a little TV would have been. I would argue yeah. it's better than IMAX because you're in your comfortable chairs. IMAX theater chairs, not comfortable. That's a good point. Yeah. They haven't really got all the way there. If you want the full IMAX, you can't have the recliner. Yep. And That's if you true. want the recliner, you got to have the Bobo IMAX. Yep. Yeah. It, um, I'm right there with you. Like, 
I know some just from working briefly on the two, for the two IPs, like you immediately get to know the fandom, and they're great because they're just like, oh yeah, welcome, you know, welcome to our small club, and uh, and it was interesting because some people are just there for the monsters, and then you had the other people that are taking it very like I they want a very complex very sound like narrative or story involving the people and so when the there isn't i guess a good story there they were a little like <sighs> bummed like it like that like the franchise failed and i'm sitting there going like man go back and watch those old movies they weren't exactly like highbrow no uh <laughs> structured you know it wasn't kurosawa like going like oh this is gonna have some depth to make people think for the next hundred years uh it was pretty much kind of bang pow pro wrestling with in rubber suits you know yeah, um it's like comics before a certain time you know like yeah the 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 gravitas that is in them is stuff that you're bringing to it you know like you know like even claremont x-men stuff you know like he dealt with with like real issues and like real world things but it's still you know to a certain extent children comics and and you imbuing your own feelings about that stuff for your childhood or whatever is what makes those rise to a certain level you know like yeah uh, and if it's godzilla for you and you fill you know you fill in all the blanks there with all the how happy you were as a child to see godzilla like you know it's hard to it's hard to argue with my buddy drew worked on the the legendary godzilla and i think he did both of the pre the the one that like went between the two godzilla movies and then he put one out that went between godzilla versus kong and the king of monsters the the comic series yes like the incontinuity yeah yeah those were great oh yeah he he's uh he's great um he used to draw like for dc comics a lot he did greg rucka's wonder woman back probably 20 years ago um oh wow but he just started getting that stuff from the fan base where uh like he's not super online so when people tweet at him he's just like oh someone contacted me and we're just like yes it just added you some you know weirdo that loves godzilla but yeah. in the middle of this fight about these people where they're just like you know how much could the motu <laughs> lift if he's got like a king kong could take godzilla then could this motu uh, king kong just like all these little questions where he's just like oh I'm yeah just drawing. you know like I, I i am just good at drawing that's what i'm doing here <laughs> that is the big debate like when you get it, when you, they, they love to focus on the monsters and do like power, you know, like strength level, like Mar- it's like, the, it's like the old Marvel cards, but yeah. like to the nth degree, like yeah. it's like Reddit only about like who would win in an arm wrestling match, King Kong or Godzilla. Here's what we came down to. Well, yeah. last time I came on this show, you guys, do you still have that segment? Where we're gonna oh, the do- bloodbath? Yeah. We do, but I, I haven't uh, we haven't done it probably in the last like five or six sessions. I've been just too swamped with like work and stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we uh, yeah, that's one of those things. And, and also like sometimes people will get into it. Some guests would be really into other guests you could tell would be like, dude, this is dumb. Why are we doing yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> so we're having a serious conversation here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Nope, it's Godzilla and King Kong. That's our conversation. So. I love any movie like I love Godzilla movies, but more than that, I just love any movie that has an ape or a giant ape is the the bigger, the better. Yeah. But yeah, if it just has apes like I remember vividly 
that Matthew Broderick movie, Project X, when I was a kid, where he's just like, yeah. Ferris Bueller just goes and works in this ape place with apes, and there's ones named Goliath, and they, they kill him, I think, but, like, spoilers. Uh, anytime a movie has an ape in it, I am on board, and so I uh, I was way on board for Godzilla vs. King Kong, but I like, like, fucking Rampage. I thought that was great. You know, I like, did, too. I, I that enjoyed was Rampage. Great. I'm not a big... This is where Brian and I differ. Brian's a hardcore, hard knocks rock fan. And yeah. I'm like, how can a man so talented continually pick such, make such terrible decisions with his entertainment career? I mean, speaking God of he, speaking of this, he has the number two. It's the number two most downloaded rap song on iTunes. The Rock just did a rap song. It's, <laughs> it's terrible. Awful. I love The Rock, but it's it's terrible. terrible. Oh, he's just like flexing, like, yeah, get up, go for it. Yeah. Uh, is like a, um, is like a Walmart of people. Like he just, yeah. he knows what the people want and he gives that to them. Like the, in the, there's a documentary on the rampage or maybe it was just an article I read where originally they were going to kill the, the ape in rampage <laughs> and the rock was just like, that's not what people come to the rock movies to see. Right. I agree. I and agree. Right. And he yeah. just makes like, you know, digestible entertainment for the masses. It's fun. You could something yeah, yeah. you can bring your family to and have a good time. He's but like, I, I, uh, I thought Rampage was actually good. Like it was yeah. good for what it was. It was very yeah. good. I I saw Jungle Cruise. I really enjoyed Jungle Cruise. That was fun. Are there apes in that? There's monkeys in there. Yeah. I've got an ape movie for you. Let's go. Have you ever seen Altered States? I made Bry watch it, and Bry walked away going, like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. But it does have an ape. It does. It has an ape in it. That's like late, late era Patty Chayefsky, too. That's the guy that wrote Network. Yeah. Yeah. And Marty. Yeah. Altered it's States. A, it's, it's very good. It's when they were getting into the whole, like, um, Oh, what were those like incubation tanks yeah. for guys with isolation like, uh, tanks? Isolation chamber, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's all about like because at that time, I think in the seventies they were doing some, in sixties they were doing some really intense, like har- like Harvard studies and things like that. But it's a good movie. It's pretty solid. I I don't. But there's an ape at the end of it. Well, of course, there's the Planet of the Apes, re- the the rise of the Planet of the Apes. And, I don't think I ever saw the last one. Oh, it was good. God, that's so good. Yeah, Woody Harrelson was fantastic as the uh, the bad guy. Yeah, and Zahn's in it. And, yeah, uh, and yeah, and then uh, what's the name? Gollum just killed oh, it. Yeah. Whole- oh, always. Oh, that's right. I Andy forgot Circus. he was in it. Yeah, yeah, he's been yeah. in all. He was in all of those. Yeah, yeah, Andy Circus. Yeah, didn't he play Venom in the new Venom movie? No, he directed it. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he directed the new Venom movie, and he's Alfred in the next Batman movie. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Good good for him. He's come a long way. You know, he used to be just the Gollum guy, and now he's, like, directing films. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, I think on The Lord of the Rings, or maybe it was on The Hobbit, but uh, Peter Jackson would let him, not let him, but hired him as, like, the second unit director. So, like, it was was sort of like he was trying to to get that going, and Peter Jackson sort of gave him a a leg up. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Have you... uh, since we're talking a lot about movies and stuff, is that something you've ever, uh, like in your wildest heart of hearts, which is that something that you'd be pumped for, for like, you know, I, like some people are very purists, like, Oh, you know, stray dogs, right. 
you made it as a comic. It was made to be a comic. It only is going to be in the comic form. But I mean, would that be something like if Netflix was like, do we really want to develop this into either like an animated film in the style that you've drawn it in or into like even like a live action thing? I mean, would that be something that you'd be down for? Yeah, no, we sold it already. Like we sold it to Paramount. Oh, Uh, shit. shit. Yeah, like uh, (laughs) before the book even came out, uh, I do, to answer your question, yes, I think it's a comic and it it stands on its own as a comic and it's only a comic, but that's for me. On the business yeah. side of things, if they want to make a movie out of it, I can sort of separate myself from that and let them let them cook. I honestly, um, I mean, if they that want, would make a really want, cool animated movie, yeah, yeah, they wanted to make, to make it the first like uh, R-rated animated horror movie. Like that's that's what they're hoping to do. I, actually, R-rated might be uh, overstating. I don't think they ever said that, but you know, like even if you read the book, it's not necessarily an R-rated no, you know, story. Could be yeah. easily. But yeah, that's they're working on it. It's uh, it's not in production. It's uh, it's been optioned, and they've done a couple drafts of it, and they're sort of figuring out whether or not they're going to pull the trigger and and do it for real. That's amazing, dude. Um, Is that something where like if they like, hey, we need another cook in the kitchen, and they give you a call? I mean, was that something you'd be <laughs> like, yeah, jump on into? Uh, well, the the producer that's the, the that's producing it is a is like a good friend of mine. And oh. in the deal, we're um, like Trish and I are both consultants. Like that's what our the credit will be, and I think that means as much or as little as we, as the filmmakers want it to, or, or as we assert ourselves. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't have any interest in in making movies um, myself. But if yeah. they're making a movie out of my thing and they have questions or they want me to, you know, like of course I'd like to go see how they're making yeah. them. Stray dogs, you know, like that'd be neat. Yeah. Um, who would I, you? Who Who would be your cast if you could cast anybody? <laughs> Let's just keep going. I always say uh, whoever puts the most asses in seats. Well, the Rock. <laughs> that, the Rock is as Earl. The Rock could be Earl. The Rock's like, we're not going to have this murderer kill people. That's not what The Rock does. That's not what The Rock does. <laughs> I like to think that Rock is full, like, in his pitch meetings, he's in full, like, bad guy, late 90s WWF <sighs> mode, you know? Like, just got the shirt and the chains and shit. <laughs> That's, listen, I've, I've said it a million times, and I'll say it again. You know how the rock's probably going to run for president at some point. I only want to see well, him, yeah. I only want to see him do it if he's in character as the rock <laughs> in a debate from at it from the attitude era. Just that's what I want. Depends who he's debating. Yeah, but I'm I'm down with you. Yeah. You say he's going to run for president like he's not going to win. <laughs> I mean, he's probably going to win. We all live here together in America. We know what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to win. Um, yeah. No, The Rock would definitely put, put asses in seats. I, yeah. Like get Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie back together in a movie as cartoon dogs. People couldn't stop from, from buying tickets to that. That's true. Um, uh, but I also like having worked on My Little Pony for as long as I did and sort of being in the pony world and the pony conventions, I always... I think it'd be cool if we could get a couple of those My Little Pony people to sort of because that's where me and Trish came from. Yeah, yeah. Could get a couple of those voices in it too. I think that would be a neat sort of like wink and a nod. And also, they're just nice folks, you know. Like they're all Canadian people, yeah. Voice actors. 
That'd be cool. That's cool, man. That'd that's be really cool. That's I'm so happy for. I love hearing that. Like, you know, because like you talk to I talk to so many people, especially through doing this podcast now. Like, when we sit down and talk to them, and like, it's nice to hear when people's projects are going like into this other like stratosphere you know mm-hmm. like it's not because i think everybody at the end of the day like when the you're by yourself you kind of like fantasize a little bit like oh yeah it'd be nice if i did this thing and it like blew up that'd be kind of crazy and it, it's yeah. cool to hear that like you know i know a lot of people that like they've had options but they're waiting on those options to happen you know it's more of like talks and like you're actually having one go through that's that's fucking awesome <laughs> well no I, mine's just still an option that uh, like it got optioned yeah so- that part happened, but it's not it's not a movie until it's a movie. So I think it's right, right. right. You probably know a lot of people that are in that same position. But the same way I was talking about um, being ashamed to have to be a huckster and sell stuff to people, like yeah. we didn't lean too hard on the on the thing being optioned as a movie uh, when we were advertising the book, um, just because it's just like you know I, I make comics like that's my right that's what I that's what I want to do, and so I didn't want to. The first time people hear about me, to just be like, "Oh, this asshole," you know, like right. So they wouldn't have like everybody that I tell, they're happy about it, like you were. But yeah, no, it's just my my own hangups that I have to deal with. And then when people did find out about it, I feel like there was sort of like a a speculator, uh, a bump where you'd see like the back issues on eBay just go like, (laughs) "Oh wow, yeah," because it might be. That's what those all those like uh, top back issue shows on YouTube and stuff are always just like, this character might show up on the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or this character might show that's up in Hawkeye. That's what happened, man. Uh, what was it? West Coast Avengers, uh, the first appearance of White Vision. That yeah. went from uh, being in the dollar bin to people are selling it for, you know, two, three hundred bucks, putting it behind the counter. It's crazy. So crazy. Yeah. I'm so not in touch with that entire aspect of our industry. And like, like I'll go to occasionally, like once a month, I'll go to the comic shop here in in the city, and I see the stuff on there, and I go, God, people really come in because they're big. Mar- that's a big part of their business. There is yeah. like vintage comics, and I go, Oh, I used to have that issue, Captain America. That's selling for two hundred bucks now, huh? And I go, Is that actually going to sell? And they're like, Oh yeah, we've got three people bidding on it right now. I'm like, <laughs> Oh. Okay, yeah, this is more a matter of who shows up first tomorrow. You know, that's who's getting it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, it just it blows my mind. I just I'm not I don't know. Like I had a bunch of baseball cards from when I was a kid, and then I looked them up a lot of them recently and I found out that they're all worth like a dollar, yeah. two bucks. And there are cards that I bought for like thirty dollars, like, oh man, this Wade Boggs rookie card's gonna put me through college. No, no one cares. <laughs> Yeah, we had stray dogs show up on those on those YouTube shows a couple times for just like some cover or some issue that was hard to get, uh, and I hadn't seen those shows before. Those so I didn't know like that that that's what was going on. But yeah, I'll, now I'll just pop in and look at them on YouTube. Sometimes I was watching one the other day, and it's like in the new Hawkeye show on Disney Plus, they're gonna call um, Kate Bishop Hawkeye Hawkeye, and the first issue where they called <laughs> Kate Bishop Hawkeye was like Young Avengers Presents number four, which is like a mini series after Young Avengers. Yep. So like that one is trending now because that's where she got the name. It's just like it's like invented 
uh, importance, you know, it's just like, well, th- this now she's called Hawkeye. This is where this happened at. And it's cool. Like, it's like, yeah, deep nerd, you know, like deep inside the comics nerd shit. But it's so funny that just like what what pops off and what, what gets excited. Like they they announced the cast for the Mario Brothers movie. And there's this. Yeah. Uh, the first appearance of Mario in comics is like this arcade magazine, and that spiked up, and just oh, like wow, wow. <laughs> it should have, it should have, it should have stayed spiked from the uh, from the first movie. Shout out Bob Hoskins, baby. Bob Hoskins, uh, yeah. like was like Yep. Man, I saw that movie in the theater. I so remember my I. dad took me and then all the like a bunch of the kids from the neighborhood took us to go see it. And then we went to Toys R Us afterwards. We didn't buy anything, but we got to look at Toys R Us. Nice. Yeah. It was a big trip because we lived up in the sticks. So like to go to the movie theater, you used to have to drive like way south into like Everett, Washington. And bought right across the street, there was a Toys R Us. That was the only, like, Toys R Us in the region. And so, you know, it was a big deal for <laughs> for us to go see Mario Brothers at the theater. Hell yeah. <laughs> that came out, like, three weeks before Jurassic Park. And I was just thinking, because I didn't realize that's, like, that was the chronology of that. I might have saw it after Jurassic Park, honestly, because we would go to the Dollar Theater all the time and see second-run movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I just thought about people seeing that movie and just being like, oh, there's never going to be a cooler dinosaur than this. And <laughs> yeah, then, <laughs> than Yoshi, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then like two weeks later, just like, oh, shit, look at that. I just saw a thing. It was all the movies that came out the same time as Jurassic Park that I was completely unaware of as a kid. But then they showed how they like bombed at the box office. They were, you know. And they were like movies that are considered they're good movies. Like a lot of them were like good movies, but it was just like this is what you're competing with this month. And uh, yeah. because you know Jurassic Park like was had one of those weird like people were seeing it like five, six, seven times. Yeah. You know, like I don't know. I watched this whole little documentary is talking about like you know because Jurassic Park was what one of the first movies to make like a billion dollars worldwide, something crazy. You know, or across some financial threshold. That might have been it. It might have been the the movies that made us. Okay, that's a good um, show. I like that show. Yeah, they do a Jurassic Park episode that's really interesting. Um, they get into like the whole Phil Tippett thing, which yeah. Um, I'm actually see I'm I, I my one of my goals by the end of the year is to try and get him on the podcast. Let's do it. So let's do it. Yeah. Or uh, Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, and The Shawshank Redemption all came out. Alongside Jurassic Park. Wow. <laughs> All amazing movies that just bombed. <laughs> oh, man. That would I suck. I mean, Shawshank bombed. Forrest Gump and Pulp Fiction did okay. They did okay? Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's still Shawshank like... didn't make money until TBS and DVD. Yeah. <laughs> now it's on once a week on, on TBS. Yeah. Yeah. On loop. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, hey man, tell us about. Uh, I know it's already hit its goal, but like, if we can get a few more, a few more. Uh, so we like advertise the kids Kickstarter is about uh, hour twenty four into the podcast. Generally, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Sorry, <laughs> on my part. Uh, yeah, uh, Time Shopper, the comic book that was uh, originally uh, was going to be an Action Lab comic, like a, a graphic novel they were going to put out as a hardcover. Um, okay. And when COVID hit, it went away. 
because it was going to print in China, like right at the beginning of COVID was when it was supposed to go to the printer. And it was also Chinese New Year. It was like a, yeah. uh, a whirlwind of bad news and also Action Lab just being uh, Action Lab. I don't yeah. know if you guys have kept up. They, they were in the news recently. <laughs> they were. Uh, yeah, and, and we sort of got it uh, not nearly as bad as some of the other people. I read the, the stories of what was going on and, you know, we, we had a much easier time of it, but, you know, the long and short of it is our comic did not come out, and uh, the lead-up to it coming out uh, sort of was mishandled a little bit, too. So it wasn't a great experience, but, like, I don't hold any sort of ill will towards them, and and we got our rights back real easy, and we just decided, you know, like, half whenever they came back online, because they sort of disappeared for a good chunk of of the beginning of the pandemic whenever they came back and we're just like, you can just have your rights back. And they, they had put some money into it. And so it was, you know, easier than I thought it was going to be. And we were just like, well, let's kickstart it. And through kickstarting it, we got to sort of do all kinds of cool stuff that, you know, like I said earlier, like I never really want to be a self publisher or, you know, have to deal with that side of it. But if we're going to do it, cause, uh, because I'm not going to have some some cool comic that I like be finished and just not come out. Like, that doesn't seem like... Right. That seems awful. Um, so if we're going to put it out, let's do a cool version of it. So it was already going to be like this hardcover, but it was going to be a smaller than comics height hardcover because we had made it for a European format. And Action Lab was like, well, we only print stuff comic size. So you got to it would shrink down proportionally from European format to shorter than a comic book. If it's the same width as a comic book. So we're putting it back up to European format and they were going to have us cut some stuff out of it for content because they were like, well, maybe we can put this in schools because it's about time travel and history. And uh, we were like, Oh, okay. If that's the answer, like if that's how you sell comics, let's do it. Uh, but now that we don't have to worry about that, we're just like, well, let's put, you know, we don't have to limit it ourselves or edit anything or, you know, take jokes out of this thing. Yeah. So what it is, is it's a, it's a time travel comic about a guy that gets a job traveling in time and he's supposed to go and stop all of history's greatest disasters, like warn the Titanic about the iceberg or warn JFK about Lee Harvey Oswald or kill baby Hitler when he's a little baby or, you know, like he's supposed to go and sort of make it so the world runs more smoothly and isn't, doesn't have all these terrible disasters. In it. But when he gets back in time, he immediately gets distracted by how cheap everything is in the past and then just goes shopping and just, <laughs> hell yeah. Instead of, instead of doing the stuff he's supposed to do, he just goes around and shops in time, which is what That's I would. Awesome. I would go buy yeah. like all of, I'd buy like 10 copies of amazing fantasy 15. Like, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'd be yeah. going back and getting that uh, Charles Bronson poster. <laughs> exactly. Go, <laughs> go to Japan. <laughs> wait right. for that thing to come on TV. Yeah. Yep. Um, that, it'd probably be easier to just go back in time to when you saw it on eBay the first time and just tell yourself to get it then. Just buy it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so we so we have this book. It's finished. We put it up on Kickstarter and we put made this campaign that. Um, a friend of mine, Chris Ryder, uh, who I've known since I was a little kid, has, had done a couple of Kickstarter campaigns with some people that were not from comics, and they were doing like a different kind of thing than 
comics people do on Kickstarter. Because everybody's seen comics Kickstarters where they're just like, hey, I'm Tony Fleece, and this is Christian Nisi, and this is our book, Time Shopper. Join the adventures of Carl, and blah, blah, blah. But he was like, what if we did it where it's all in the world of Time Shopper? Like, the voice of the thing is Carl, the main character's voice, and he's like, hey, I'm Carl, and this is what Time Shopper is, and I traveled back in time and got my two favorite comic creators, Tony Fleece and Christian Nisi, to make this book, Time Shopper, and now you can get it. And by doing it in that voice, we also have it where not only did he commission this comic of his life story to be made, but he also brought stuff back in time. So the stuff, the add-on stuff where it's usually like stickers or bookmarks or buttons and stuff, we have like this thing called the time shopping bag where it's like you get a Mickey Mantle rookie card. Or you get like a, an autographed picture of Jesus Christ, or <laughs> cool things that he goes in time and shops for, and then he brings them back to you. So it's like, uh, it's all ephemera, you know, like it's all just yeah. silly stuff that comes along with this book, but we get to make like the cool version of it yeah. where it's like in world. And I think that stuff is neat. And then we're sort of like rolling those out as the campaign goes along. So last week, we. Uh, unveiled these uh, primetime TV pogs that we made where... Those are great, I, man. <laughs> uh, thanks. Yeah. Christian, who draw, draws the book as a caricature artist, has his like, full-time job, and so he just went off drawing. Like, there's like a Niles Crane from Frasier and a Sipowitz and like a... There's, like, the a Northern North- Exposure one, I was like, oh, that's a jam. <laughs> that was like our family's show. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> man, that O'Connell... I, did that lady just disappear? She was so beautiful. She did. She was in. um, She did one big movie that she was in Cliffhanger, which I think may have opened the same time as Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds right. Yeah, and the movie didn't do very well. I think because of that. Year before Jurassic Park. It it was a year before. Oh, never mind. I just remember that movie came out and it didn't do as well as I think they projected, and that was like supposed to be her big. Like movie, I think debut breakout because she yeah. was, yeah, and Ed, Turner, and I just don't think she did anything after that. You know what I mean? I'm gonna bookmark this and check her out after. Maybe she. A lot of times when somebody just disappears, like they just got married to like a sheik or something, <laughs> or like a producer. There, there was some talk um, a few years ago, and they even I think did a Kickstarter for like some limited edition collection of Northern Exposure. This was like 10 years ago. It was like right when Kickstarter popped up and they did a Kickstarter for like maybe even doing like a, another episode, something. And then, uh, and then there was some talk even like a few years ago where they were talking about bringing it back to like maybe Netflix and like a limited capacity, kind of like they did for X-Files when X-Files uh-huh. came back for like five episodes or whatever. They were talking about doing the same thing for Northern Exposure and I don't – I think they just – because, like, the town, like, Roslyn and Wa- – Roslyn, Washington, like, it, it's still there. All the buildings are still there. I think even some of the actors might even still, like, have condos or live there. Um, most of them are retired, I think, at this point because, you know, it was a long time ago, that show. But, um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I would love for him to come back and do, uh, you know, like, 
just you know even like a one hour tv special or something yeah. that would be cool I, as long as they don't do like what they did for like the fresh prince of bel-air reunion everyone sitting around talking uh, they did that for uh, friends as well we don't need that i was so pissed at the fresh prince one i thought it was going to be like an episode and so I was yeah. like, oh man i'm gonna watch this and then when i sat down and watched, i was like oh man it's just them talking about acting on the show which i i mean it's cool but i'm not that hardcore of a fan you know yeah Fun. She's like the, apparently she she's the granddaughter of the owner the original owner of the Dallas Cowboys. So she, I guess she probably doesn't have to work. She That's was a true. single. Mom. She uh, was a what? She's a single mom. She advocated for single mothers. Uh, okay. She, was, uh, she described herself as socially liberal and fiscally conservative. She's more of a libertarian. She t- did some talk radio, so I feel like I know where this is headed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to stop digging because I like her character so much. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We'll just pretend she still goes by Maggie and she lives in Alaska up here by me and she flies a plane. There it she is. She wrote yeah. several books, uh, including one called Holding Your Head High, Inspiration from 12 Single Mothers Who Champion, champion Their Children and Change History. That's interesting. Okay. I hope we're – all right. That's – um. anyway, time shot. Time, Time shutter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how how many more days is it uh, is the Kickstarter going for? Uh, we're up for tw- uh, 19, 20 more days. Awesome. Um, so okay. In the f- we funded in the first two days, and then so now two. it's just like if somebody wants to buy the book, they can just pop in there. It's twenty bucks for the hardcover, fifty bucks if you want like the Time Shopping bag and all that stuff. But like it's just that's a good deal, man. That is good. That's a oh, really good deal. Yeah, I think it's a cool like. Like I said, the doing the fulfillment and the printing and all that stuff is sort of outside of my wheelhouse. But we're already set up with, you know, like we're working with uh, Andy Schmidt, who uh, was editor at uh, Marvel and IDW and worked at Hasbro. And he's he also did that thing, Comics Experience, like the comics class. Yeah. yeah. And he has this like uh, they're like a middleman for Kickstarters. and They'll print your comic for you where they they work with the same printer in Korea that IDW and I think DC and a bunch of people. When they get their hardcovers done, they get them done at this place. And yeah. just by being in a part of like a bulk thing or a group thing with these guys, they can get you like a better deal and, and they sort of like handle all that shit. So that really is a, a huge relief to me. Like I can just hand them finished files like I do for image and they'll send it off and I can just send them money. You know. So. Now from a, business standpoint do they i'm guessing they take like a percentage then like you have to factor that into your kickstarter the they're i mean i don't know i mean obviously they have to do something they got to make money well they just charge they work with the printer and what they charge is tied in with the printing fee okay so i pay them whatever they're taking off the top is just whatever i pay them and then we just work that out Uh, that's great though that's That's awesome that's so nice yeah yeah, and it was a huge relief because I was just like, I don't know how you're supposed to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know where, where I would even start with reaching out and contacting a, a, a printer. I mean, I guess if you go to a convention, there's those people, Global PSD or whatever, they come around and give you their flyer. There, there's, I mean, like that company you're talking about in Korea, uh, like, I mean, they've got a website. Like, I, I've done some, I had to do some consulting this last year. And so it was interesting because I had to kind of deep dive and all that for the this this newly founded uh, like pu- like publishing group. 
Mm-hmm. And because it was strictly for like zines and comics, independent comics, that kind of stuff. And like, uh, yeah, like, so I, I know the company you're talking about. And then, but then I was like doing comparing prices to all there's, there's probably like five or six really good standard printing places here domestically. But I mean, the Korea is the way to go. Um, and also like the more I was looking into it, like shipping rates are constantly fluctuating. It like it just becomes a whole animal. I think if you can go through something a service like that, why not? You know, yeah. especially like you you're like you said, you want to create, right? Like as yeah. much as you don't want to be bogged down, like that's a full time job, you know, is just handling all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I mean that on top of like working on the stray dogs follow up, um like I if I didn't have my buddy Ryder who's like the producer of the Kickstarter or like he's running the Kickstarter with us and, and Lisi, my collaborator on the thing, just being able to keep pushing the thing out there for me, like I would have no like I would be completely lost. Just because yeah. it is like everybody says it's like a full time job. It's not. It's like a a very hectic part time job. Uh sure. but and, and then but then when it comes around to the fulfillment and all that part of it, that's gonna be a nightmare too. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm do glad. they handle the shipping for you guys too? They, no, they no. Uh, they ha- they have options for that, but because all the stuff we're putting together is so many different like combinations of things, right? Uh, yeah. We're just gonna do it ourselves, and it you know at this point we're at like 200 backers, so that's like 200 210 backers. That's like 200 packages. That's not, that we- that's not that bad, really. Yeah. If it gets up to like 500, that will still be, you know, okay. It'll yeah. be, you know, a couple of crazy weeks. Right. Yeah. And, you know, like if the few people I know who've done them, you Do know, you so, like, right? I have worked on people's like projects. I've never actually done a Kickstarter myself. I've always just been like hired as like an artist. Um, so I kind of, I had the luxury position of just like, I just do the art. And a lot of times before the Kickstarter is even finished, I've already, I'm already finished with the art, you know, like they're, it's sitting in their Dropbox folder, just waiting for them to do their campaign. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, you know, but they, they all told me like, they just have their buddies come over, they break it all down on the kitchen table or whatever, and they form an assembly line and it's just boom, boom, boom. While somebody's, you know, like, Oh, we're okay. It's a Joey in Indiana, print off the, the slip, slap it on the package, you know, and you're good to go. So, I mean, it takes a while, but it's not too bad. Yeah, we've got a couple. I mean, besides um, sending the book off to be printed, we've got a couple of like manufacturing. All, all the the main um, stuff that that comes with like the pogs and the buttons and all the all the stuff, the autograph pictures and stuff like that. All of that's made and ready to go. Um, and we got like bags printed that say, you know, Carl's time shopping bag, like those are ready to go. But we're also doing this, um, <clears throat> like ex- exclusive edition of the book where in the story, it's like Carl went back in time and convinced Ben Franklin to print up that he was like, I want to go to like the best, most famous printer I could find. So I went to Ben Franklin and Ben Franklin prints up like 20 copies of this thing. And, and, he, and he's like, look, I, I'm sorry, but I can only do black and white. And Carl's like, well, this is a color comic. We got to get, <laughs> we got to go somewhere else, I guess. But so we're selling this black and white Ben Franklin edition, which is like printed on like weathered older paper and then bound like leather bound. And like, you know, like when you, people wow. get comics. On. Uh, so we got to 
actually send those away and get those manufactured, but we wanted to make sure that we had the numbers before we, before yeah. we sent So there's a couple things that, like, while the book's off being printed in Korea, we have to put together here stateside. But, uh, yeah, it's it, it's mostly all finished and put together, but it's I'm sure it's going to end up take, eating up a good chunk of my life. <laughs> nice. But we, we put a delivery date of, like, July on it so we've got we built in time that's good to, yeah to where we're not going to disappoint people. we'll probably be earlier than late that's probably good because most kickstarters are classically it, i mean it's way, like the cliche is yeah. way late like six months yeah. late i don't know I, we back a lot of kickstarters yeah. and they're oh it seem like they're always late always i just i just got an update from rob liefeld's brigade kickstarter where he, and i don't know if i've gotten this one before and just missed it but he was like Listen, if you haven't got it yet, just send me your address and I'll send it to you. And I was like, what word? Let's go. Because this was from like 2011. <laughs> like I have been um, the needles waiting for this thing. And uh, wow. Yeah, so sent to my, my address and hopefully I'll get brigade in the mail here in the next couple of weeks. I didn't even know Liefeld was doing Kickstarters, man. In 2011, let's see. Uh, I'm on Kickstarter right now, of course, because of uh, how I keep an eye on my. <laughs> on my project but yeah kickstarter brigade uh i'm gonna tell you exactly the date when that shit came out yeah i did i backed a kickstarter for a board game a couple of years ago and it just showed up this year <laughs> like, oh my god god i mean it's, it's a cool game but fuck i forgot about it at one point how many years uh two amazing yeah, it was like a year late. Yes, yeah, 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 that's just crazy. I don't know. Brigade I mean, I, up to, this was update one hundred and six, the one that I responded to. Uh, he got five hundred sixty-two backers, made thirty-five thousand dollars in. Why doesn't it say when it happened? Usually, it <laughs> says like this. Project was funded on so and so. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's so old; it doesn't have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say anymore. But yeah, it is from like 2011 or something. That's oh man, that's crazy. Yeah. That might be a record. That might be a record. But hey, at least he's still trying to fulfill it. You know? Yeah, at least he's still it's going. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, it is starting to get fairly late. We've been clicking for a while here. Uh. Tony, where can the Tiger Cubs find you, man? Uh, well, I mean, if you're looking for me, go to Kickstarter comic or uh, TimeShopperComic.com, or go to Kickstarter and search for uh, TimeShopper, and then that'll lead you to me. I would rather you went that way, yeah. So you you shopped for my stuff on the way to finding me. Otherwise, I'm on uh, social media just under my name, Tony Fleece. Um, and new Stray Dogs is in previews right now. Uh, Stray Dogs Dog Days number one and two come out in December and January. And that's like the last Stray Dogs. Um, Stray Dogs Trade is in, in stores now. I just bought it last week, man. I just bought Thank it last you. week. Yeah, I loved Appreciate it. You. Thank you so much. But it was sad and messed up. And <laughs> you're, you're, I know. You, you have issues, my man. I'm just going <laughs> to throw it out there like that. What's did that? You, did you... 
were you near tears at all? Or, or I, you know, you I, they saw him. I saw him welling up a little bit. Yeah, in uh, you know, at the at the end with Earl, um, that was sad. That was really sad because he was like finally coming around, and then uh, yeah. you know, he 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 made the he made the sacrifice to save all the other dogs, dude. It was oh, dude. Hey, don't spoil it. Uh, uh, you'll forget by the time you get to it. That's right? true, and also, actually, you love it when I spoil stuff. Shut up. Yeah, but I can't handle dog. I can't handle animals dying. People can die all day. I, the, the animal stuff gets me. Yeah, I'm scared to read this book, Tony. That was uh, was a real concern for us. We were not, not that we're not getting out of here, but at issue three is where we start to sort of like become vicious with that. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, I guess hopefully we make enough money on issues one and two and three that when people stop buying the book. We'll be able to coast until the end because uh, we were just ready for everybody to just like quit and not ever finish the book. Right. Um, and weirdly, I don't know what it means about the world or comics readers or whatever, but issue three is where it really took off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, people got done with that and they were just like, I need more of this. So. I just, I just like, it was like reading, but you're disgusted at it at the same, like, oh my God, what the fuck? <laughs> And like you know, like but you can't stop reading it either. So yeah. All right. Yeah, no, we we I'm definitely have to read it back. then. We had we we love dogs, uh, and we had to make it very clear when we talked to some retailers or some readers and stuff, and like, listen, maybe not for you, and but just know it's coming from a good place, uh, and ho- hopefully that came across. <laughs> yeah. The biggest fear is like you go into like a, a kids section and they obviously didn't check out what the content was and they're like oh well you know like cartoon dogs cool it's right there on the shelf yeah no (laughs) definitely don't let your kids read this we tried to never make it uh like it looks like a cartoon and that that couldn't be helped we tried to never make it look fun or you know like all the covers at least look right yeah no it definitely looks ominous so yeah (laughs) but uh okay cool man uh brian i'll take us home big guy I'm ready. I'm ready. So Tiger Cubs, as you all know, we're on a new platform. We're on Substack. And uh, if you want to go on there, it's uh, bluetigerrevenge.substack.com and uh, subscribe so you can uh, you'll know you'll know firsthand when uh, when the new episodes of Blue Tiger Revenge drop. And then you're going to want to be on Substack because this week, that's right. This week, we are having making our first post for Operation Blue. So it's here. It's just concept stuff it's concept comic is coming and you might want you want that concept stuff to just like you know cradle you right into the cradle you right into operation blue but uh, we're making our first post about operation blue uh coming this week so you're gonna only be able to find that on Substack, and uh you know we uh we appreciate the uh we appreciate the support you know so uh anything you want to do uh rate review subscribe uh, shoot us an email, bluetigerrevenge at substack.com. That goes right to us. Uh, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. And uh, last but certainly not least, we want to thank the main man, Tony Fleece, who uh, ironically was on last week's episode too when we did our Rose City, when we posted our Rose City uh, interviews. So, uh, yeah. yeah, appreciate you yeah. coming on, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, great to be back. Uh, happy to come on. Good luck with the. Uh, with the with the the project with the sub stack and the 
and the Patreon. Is the Patreon and a Substack or just a Substack? Just Substack for now. We, we we've been debating on Patreon. I, I don't know. It's you can just do one of those, you can like, do paid on Substack too. You can do paid subscription oh, yeah. through there. So we might just yeah. keep it all in one one place. Make it a little yeah, bit we're, easier on ourselves. We're, we're we we've got uh, so many other things going that yeah. it's like you know just as individuals like it's like oh just another thing to manage like oh god yeah. damn it yeah <laughs> yeah well good luck with it. Uh, I'm excited for you guys. I like the idea of putting some process out, process out first. Do a little uh, appetizer. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Why not? Just right? Tickle <laughs> a little bit. Get them interested. Yeah. Just, yeah. See, if, see if it tickles their fancy. You know. Yeah. I, I will. Sh- I will say. I've I, I've shown the barilla or the head to a couple of people, and did they uh, like it? They loved it. I, I showed it to my comic shop owner. She was all into oh, okay. it, and then to their purchasing manager, who I'm friends with, and she was all into it. So, nice. yeah, they loved it. So we'll see what happens. Well, congrats, fellas! I'm excited for you. Thanks, man. So, yeah, thank uh, you. That's all I have, Tad. Do you have anything else? I'm all out of uh, Barilla juice. <laughs> oh, well, if that's the case, what time is it? Hit the music.